Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. So, were you out and about last night? You could have been because across California, cities and counties that had curfews in place started lifting them. Authorities felt that was safe to do because of a noticeable cooling of anger on the streets as protesters marching against police violence and racism increasingly emphasized a message of nonviolence and dialogue over confrontation. That's the sound of a demonstration I came across yesterday in L.A.'s upscale Larchmont district. As many residents came out of their homes to cheer them on, hundreds of mostly young and very diverse protesters marched to the official residence of L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti. When they got there and encountered police, the protesters talked about ways to keep things peaceful. All right, so should we put the bikes along the streets? We're going to barricade our own people, making sure they don't get routed with the police. Tell them do not antagonize the police. Do not antagonize them. Over a bullhorn, the protesters then started a spontaneous sidewalk Q&A session with the cops, asking the LAPD officers about use of force and other issues. Here's what some of it sounded like. What have you done personally to change in your department? to make our lives safer. This has been discussed day in and day out in roll calls. We're not perfect. By no means are we perfect. Nobody's perfect. But even as emotions are being dialed down, there are a growing number of videos appearing on social media showing what looks like clearly excessive force being used by law enforcement earlier in the week. In one video, police in Los Angeles are seen striking demonstrators with their batons, even though the protesters appear to offer no resistance. And people who witnessed the violence of both protesters and police earlier in the week are still trying to make sense of it all. On LA's Melrose Avenue, where some stores were broken into and trashed, I met tattoo artist Nick Hurtado in front of his boarded up studio. He had a lot to say about what his city and America have gone through the last few days. Uh, it's devastating, dude. It's sad for me to walk down the street and see all the businesses boarded up. It's sad, you know. It's sad to see the divide within America. It's sad to see the divide within everybody. I mean, if this should bring everyone closer, you know, I think that everybody is broken. And I think that people that are artists, writers, musicians, I think everyone should use their voice. I mean, yourself too, you know, use your voice. I mean, everybody has a voice. We're here together. We have to deal with each other. We have to love one another. LA tattoo artist, Nick Hurtado. This week's protests across California against police brutality have been overwhelmingly peaceful. But for businesses that did suffer vandalism, break-ins, and ransacking, Governor Gavin Newsom wants to offer financial help. At a press conference in Stockton yesterday, he said that aid should come in a variety of ways. Community banks, the support of community institutions supporting their own community in the needs of small businesses, cities large and small doing the same, philanthropy doing the same, nonprofits helping support, clearly the state and the federal government. Newsom says his budget proposal includes $100 million in microloans for women and minority-owned businesses. But he says federal loan programs will also be needed. 
Let's turn to immigration. The U.S. Supreme Court is expected to rule this month on whether the Trump administration can end Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA. The program protects nearly 200,000 Californians from deportation and gives them work permits. KQED's Farida Javala Romero has the story of one young doctor who fears for his future at a time when healthcare workers are especially needed. Oscar Hernandez graduated from UC Irvine Medical School last Saturday. Because of social distancing rules, he says it was a drive through celebration. People honked as Hernandez stepped out of his car to get his diploma. That was my dream for ever since I can remember. Hernandez was 18 months old when his parents brought him to the U.S. from Mexico. He grew up in a trailer park in southeast San Diego. To pay for college, he worked long hours at a taqueria and a laundromat. When President Barack Obama announced DACA in 2012, that opened up new doors. DACA um, really was the biggest relief in my life and also for the first time an opportunity for me to even go to medical school. This week, Hernandez moved to Ohio to train as a surgeon at the prestigious Cleveland Clinic. But all that could come to a halt if the U.S. Supreme Court lets President Donald Trump end DACA. So it would freeze me in my training, and so it wouldn't allow me to even keep contributing to this country. Almost 30,000 DACA recipients who work in healthcare nationwide may be at risk of deportation just when they're critical during the pandemic. California especially needs doctors in low-income communities, the kind where Hernandez wants to work. It's really frustrating. It really is. Um, the shortages of, of Latino uh, physicians who understand the population and are culturally sensitive. Hernandez says he has to remain optimistic that the top court will allow him and nearly 650,000 others with DACA to pursue their dreams in the U.S. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Even as California confronts its greatest public health crisis in decades, half a dozen county public health leaders in the state have resigned or retired since mid-April. So what's happening here? Cap Radio Scott Rod reports. The resignations came in San Benito and Butte counties. The retirements in Nevada, Orange, Yolo, and San Bernardino counties. Some are public health directors who handle department administration, and others are public health officers who are trained medical professionals and provide health guidance, especially during crises. Some counties say the departures were already planned. But I am concerned that burnout is a factor here. Kat DeBerg is the executive director of the State Health Officers Association. Many health officers are working 90, 100 hours a week and also being in the public eye and subject to public criticism for the actions they're taking. She says filling vacant leadership positions can be challenging, especially if counties are competing against each other for talent. And they're facing a ticking clock. Many experts warn of a resurgence of COVID-19 cases in the fall. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. Staying on the coronavirus, the California Department of Corrections has released its latest report on COVID-19 spread within its population of prison inmates. The California Report's Mary Franklin Harvin has the details. CDCR reports two more inmates have died from what appear to be complications of COVID-19. Both were from the California Institution for Men in San Bernardino County. In addition to these deaths, CIM has close to 500 active COVID cases as of Thursday. That's the third highest active case count. 
Avenal State Prison in Kings County has nearly 800, and Chuckawalla Valley State Prison in Riverside County had 865 as of Thursday night. About 200 CDCR employees currently have coronavirus. And in an attempt to minimize transmission risks, CDCR has released more than 3,000 inmates who are close to their discharge dates. For The California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. We continue to work to bring perspectives about the last couple of weeks of unrest in our country, which has churned up people's emotions across California. This morning, we have reflections from leaders around the Monterey Bay. It's brought to us by KAZU's Erica Mahoney. Helen Rucker, community activist, teacher, senior citizen. Here we go again, over and over. Some of the same things that we went through 60 years ago, 70 years ago. You know, something has got to change, and these young people know it. I don't know what kind of world we are going to, to, to leave my grandchildren to live in. But I pray for them, and I have hope that they can do a better job than we did. I'm Andy Mills, and I'm the Chief of Police for the City of Santa Cruz. I think all of us were collectively shocked and horrified at what took place in Minneapolis. I had a visceral reaction, just literally, I made me sick to my stomach after 42 years of policing, that takes a lot. The decision I had made ahead of time that I was going to take a knee when that time came, to send a message uh, to the community that we want to de-escalate this, that we are on your side. I also want to send a message to my officers that we are part of this community and that we need to take a knee and be humble and contrite and to tell the community that uh, we can do better and we will do better. My name is Pastor Ronald Brick. I'm the pastor of Greater Victory Temple Church of God in Christ in Seaside, California. We must, as people of color, we must continue to stand up for what is right and make sure that these officers are held accountable for their misdeeds. As Black America, as people of color, we need to vote. Change is coming. We can make the difference if we vote and we stand up, we let our voices be heard. My name is John Wizard. I'm a member of the Seaside City Council. I think police reform really comes down to returning to the core idea that the police are meant to serve and protect us and not necessarily just to police us. As a young Black person, I would really like to look back in 10 or 20 years and see this as the moment that all of our allies, just everybody who has a soul, said that they were not going to allow this to happen anymore. That was civil rights activist Helen Rucker, Santa Cruz Police Chief Andy Mills, Pastor Ronald Britt, and Seaside City Council Member John Wizard, all sharing their thoughts on a turbulent time in a troubled nation. Our thanks to Erica Mahoney at KAZU, who produced this piece. And that's the California Report for Friday, June 5th, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Raquel Maria Dillon. Our intern is Nina Sparling, and our editor is Angela Corral. Our managing editor is Vinnie Tong, our executive editor is Ethan Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening, and have a good day.
Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Support for this podcast comes from ODC Dance. The world-class company returns for Dance Downtown, March 27th through the 31st, with two electrifying programs and five works, springing from cartoon, the news, and human connection. ODC.dance slash downtown. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions. Online or through Star One's mobile app, Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. Hey, I'm Brian Stelter, and I hope you'll join me on Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Every Thursday, I'm getting the inside take from the best reporters in the country on what figures like Elon Musk, Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, and Marjorie Taylor Greene are doing. I think she wants to make things happen. She wants to get legislation passed. She made clear to me that she wants to have a president who upholds Christian values. She embraces the term Christian nationalist. That's Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair. Available wherever you get your podcasts.